I'd like to just read you a story out of the book of Luke chapter 16 this morning. And in my prayer time and preparation time, the question that kept entering into my mind is what was Jesus trying to leave with us? What lesson is there in the story that I'm going to read? What lesson is in it for us today? Since our Lord is the one who's doing the teaching, it must be pertinent to the hour in which we live. I meet people just like the man I'm going to preach about this morning everywhere I go. And the Bible says in verse 19, and there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple. In the Bible, purple is indicative to royalty. There was a certain rich man clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. He's got it on the high road. He's made it. He is envied by everyone around him. Royalty, living sumptuously. And the Bible said, and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at the, his gate full of sores, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass, you could write in your Bible, and it always will, that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried and in hell wait a minute preach this Sunday morning you're not supposed to be preaching on hell on Sunday morning how do you know Jesus didn't quote this on Sunday morning and in hell he left up his eyes being in torment Have you thought about that lately? Or are we too busy living sumptuously? Have we thought about that fact that we all die? And after that, the judgment. Or are we too busy worrying about our linens? our status 
and life. The Bible goes on to say, and he said to Abraham, Afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried unto him, said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. And send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water. Cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things. And likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and thou art tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed. So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would ascend him to my father's house. For I have five brethren. It is strange. Wonder why he didn't worry about his brethren while he was alive. You see, about ten seconds after we die, if we're saved, we'll want to become soul winners. We will be concerned about our loved ones one day. Just make sure it's not one day too late. The Bible said, for I have five brethren that may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said unto them, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. He said, nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. He said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, that was the Old Testament, neither will they be persuaded the one rose from the dead. I would just like to bring your mind back to verse 31. Neither will they be persuaded. Neither will they be persuaded. What would it take for me today to persuade you just for a little while to get out of the natural realm of thinking and get into the spiritual realm of thinking? Get out of the nasty now and now and start thinking about the sweet by and by. Would it take somebody being raised from the dead, a miracle beyond all comprehension, to persuade you that there is a place called heaven and there is a place called hell? As I read this story, I, I do not think so much about the man's destination, but the man's attitude. I'm not going to spend any time today on Lazarus because when he died, he was comforted. He was in heaven with the Lord. But in this story, we have a record of a man that intentionally rejected Christ 
as Savior and Lord. He wasn't concerned about eternal life, heaven, or dying, but instead he was more interested in the nasty now and now. You see, the book is a book about living and about dying. The Bible tells us how to live right, but it also tells us how to die right. And I don't know if you know it or not, but this fella here that we've just read about is living like he ain't never going to die. He has nothing gloomy at all in his mindset. He's more interested in prestige, potentates, prosperity, and I, you know, I met a man like that yesterday. In fact, I'm probably talking to a lot of folk like that today who has not given one thought this week concerning eternity. So I just thought about four things about this man I wanted to leave with you today. First of all, he was lost and wasn't concerned about it. Secondly, he died and didn't expect it. The news was covered yesterday with a shooting in Pennsylvania. Several folk gathered in a synagogue to worship the God of the Old Testament. They had plans yesterday afternoon. Many of them had schedules throughout the week of that is coming. Unbeknownst to them, an idiot, a crazy wild man, broke in the back of the synagogue with guns and killed 11 unexpected victims. This man was lost and was unconcerned about it. This man died and didn't expect it. Thirdly, this man went to hell and couldn't avoid it. Fourthly, this man wanted another chance and couldn't get it. That's my message for the day. Do you know I meet people all the time that is lost and unconcerned about it? <clears throat> my problem is not getting people saved. My, people's get, my problem is getting people lost. Because if you get somebody lost enough, they will get saved. But this man was lost, man. Lost as a goose in a hailstorm, if you please. And he was unconcerned about it. Verse 19, the Bible says this. There was a certain rich man 
was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Why should this guy worry about heaven? He got all heaven. He wants right where he's living. I mean, he's royalty, man. He can buy what he wants, go where he wants, do what he wants, say what he wants. I mean, this guy has got it on the top row. He's got it made. I can walk up to him and say, do you know that the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God? He'll look at me and smile and say, well, look at me. For there's none righteous, no, not one. Well, so what? Look what God has given me. This man, I run into him every single day of my life who is lost in their sin and they do not care or concerned about it. Why should we worry about hell when we got all the heaven we got here? Walk in the parking lot of Joshua Baptist Church. Folk, I don't see any horses tied out there. I bet there are not two cars in the parking lot without cruise control. I bet half you folk don't even know what those cranks were on the car doors that you roll the windows up with. Now we gripe if we don't have a sonar screen on our dash that tells us where we're going, how we get there, and how to get home after we get there. Unless my wife's running it. My wife and I one night was in Waco trying to find the hospital. We ended up in San Antonio. I said, well, I guess we just needed time out together, man. <laughs> Amen. Listen to me. I, I'm tell- this man had so much. He had been so blessed. He had so much of this world and so much around him that he did not care one iota that he was a sinner on his way to a devil's hell. He did not care at all. He, he did not care that God commended his love toward him that while he was yet a sinner, Christ died. And the Bible says he was not concerned at all. You can also turn over to Luke chapter 12. You find another man. And the Bible said there was a certain rich man who his crops were plentiful You remember that guy? And he said, what shall I do? Did he give God the glory? Did he give God the glory? No. He said, all of this is mine. I'll build me bigger barns. I'm more interested in what I'm going to do with this. Do you know anybody like that? And the Bible says, thou fool. Tonight, thy soul... Wouldn't it be something if Baptists begin to look at their Bible like they do their checkbook? And as regular as they do their checkbook. Come on now, say amen. But I'll bet you you'll talk to 10 people this week that is lost and not concerned about it at all. That, that convicts me. That concerns me that I would pastor a church full of people that's unconcerned about eternity. Come to church only worried about if the cowgirls is going to win today or not. Amen. 
Amen. They might win if they're not playing Alabama. Whoa, I better duck. Isn't it tragic? Isn't it tragic that anybody could experience the miracle of birth? Could experience the miracle of life? Every day God performs miracles in our life. Every day we see the sun rise, except in Texas when it's raining. Amen. But we witness miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And yet we give no thought at all of what God says and thinks about us. Oh, here's a man that is lost and unconcerned about it. And then he died and didn't expect it. Verse 22, the Bible said, and rich man also died and was buried. Death was unexpected. Death is universal. Death is unavoidable. Kind of slips up on us. You ever notice that? Kind of slips up on us. Hmm? Just, you get old before you know it. Every every step you take is one more step closer to death. Every breath you draw is one breath closer to death. We all have an appointment to keep. And this man, this man lived like he was never, ever going to die. And he died and didn't expect it. Watch the news this evening. Somebody will die that didn't expect it. Open your newspaper and look at the obituary section. Somebody died didn't expect it. A preacher, I'm young. Yeah, but you're ugly. (laughs) Besides that, you're ugly and stupid. You're dying. You don't know when. You don't know where. You don't know how. But you do know you're not getting out of this thing alive. And this wealthy man lived as though he's going to live forever. Had all the highlight you can imagine. The Bible said, and he died and was buried. The Hebrew word for shield, grave, died and went to heaven, went to hell. Can you imagine, if you please, for just a moment, this man realizing that is appointed on the man wants to die and after that the judgment and him living like he ain't never going to die. You know anybody like that? Preacher, I don't like to think about it. You better think about it. 
You say, preacher, it's gloomy. Well, it's Halloween. You can think about it. <laughs> Not near as gloomy as Halloween, amen. What a terrible, terrible thing for our Lord to leave a testimony in holy writ that anybody would be so ill-informed to be lost and unconcerned about it. He died and didn't expect that. And he went to hell. Couldn't avoid it. Sinner has no control over death. A sinner has no choice after death. Well, I'll get this all straightened out just between me and God. You better get it out straightened out now. Because you lost your vote after you're dead. And a sinner has no comfort. You know, you think about it. Preacher, I didn't get saved to miss hell. I got saved because I love Jesus. You don't tell another lie one of these days? I didn't get saved because I love Jesus. I got saved because he loved me. Amen. I'm not going to heaven because I love Jesus. I'm going to heaven because he loved me. I'm not going to heaven because of what I've done. I'm going to heaven because of what he has done. You say, but I'm a good person. You know, good people die and go to hell too. For you to go to heaven without being saved would mean that God made a mistake and sent his son to die a horrible death at Calvary if you did not need that sacrifice to get you saved. Here's a man that was lost and was not concerned about it. Here's a man who died, didn't expect it. I think maybe many of us need to realize that here's a man who went to hell, couldn't avoid it. Watch this. And he wanted another chance couldn't get it. Verse 24. Watch this. Verse 24 says, and he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Wouldn't it have been a lot better for him to have said that before he died? Wouldn't that, wouldn't, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a lot wiser deal to do kind of hard to do though, isn't it? To think that anybody as prosperous and intelligent as we are would need mercy. As proud and self-made as we are, why would we need mercy? Well, I just can't ask God for mercy. You will one day. Just hope and pray it's not one day too late. 
hear this wealthy, self-made, arrogant, prideful individual finally has been brought to his knees and he raised his head and said, have mercy on me. You see, we don't need justice. What we need is mercy. Amen. Uh, I told you the story about the fellow got caught stealing watermelon in Georgia, right? Got caught stealing watermelons and arraigned him to court. And his lawyer said, sir, you don't have anything to worry about. Said, uh, I'm the best lawyer in all the state of Georgia. And the judge is the most fair judge in all the state of Georgia. You'll get justice. That guy said, I don't need justice. I stole them watermelons. What I need is mercy. (laughs) Amen. Here's a sinner that wasn't concerned about it. He needed mercy. Here's a sinner deserving of hell. The Bible said all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. We all turn to our own way. Isaiah said we was rotten from the top of our head to the bottom of our foot. There's no soundness at all in us. What you and I do not need is justice. What you and I need today is mercy. Mercy from a loving Heavenly Father who stands waiting and ready, willing to extend mercy to all who will come. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but by his mercy he saved us. Amen. Uh, Little second grade class it was in Sunday school. And the teacher was teaching from this text. And so she extended the question to all the second grade kids. How many want to live like the rich man? And how many wants to live like the beggar man? Little Johnny raised his hand way back in the back and said, Teacher, while I'm living here, I want to live like the rich man. And when I die, I want to live like the beggar man. (laughs) Second grade class, which way do you want to live? And the Bible said that the rich man died, didn't expect it. And in hell he lift up his eyes, been in torment. And in hell, he wanted another chance and couldn't get it. Have mercy, he said. For I'm tormented in these flames. I don't want a bucket of water 
just a drop, just a drop from Lazarus' finger. I wonder today, he said in verse 27, he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house. He's wanting somebody to mediate for him. He cried for a different message. Verse 28, he said, For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Do you know the most powerful and awesome power you and I have today is the power of choice. I have the power to choose where I spend eternity. That is the most powerful thing that you and I have today. And anybody with enough brains, if they were dynamite, to blow your nose, would choose heaven over hell. Well, I don't believe in either one. Well, that's fine. won't take you long after you die to really come to a faith. The most powerful thing and the smartest thing I've ever done other than marry Ginger, having six kids, quit coon hunting, passing the church, the smartest thing I've ever done I did 50 years ago when I chose heaven over hell. When I realized I was lost and without Christ and admitted it. Isn't it amazing we don't have to teach our kids how to lie or how to act like they're adult parents? I have a question or two and I'm done. Can you afford today to reject Christ? Spend the rest of eternity in hell. Can you afford to do that? Well, preacher, I'm not too concerned about it. Neither was he. I've got a long time to think about it. Really? You know how long it takes you to have a heart attack? I used to tell a story back when I was in evangelism about an agnostic standing with his hand raised toward God Defying God, telling God, if there's a God in heaven, cause it to thunder and lightning, strike me dead. 
Somebody walked up and said, why should God shake up heaven just to kill one idiot when he can have a gnat fly up your nose and suffocate you to death? God don't need to shake up heaven to shake your world. Just one flip of the switch, man. God got your attention. Can you afford to say no to God? I don't want anything to do with eternity. I don't want anything to do with faith. I don't want anything to do with Christ. I'll just take my licking when I die. Good luck, Slick. Can you and I afford to reject? Secondly, what are you doing now that is worth going to hell for? Just what enjoyment, what ambition, what are you doing now that's worth saying no to God's gracious offering to come unto him all your labor, heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. What a crazy, what a crazy thing, amen? My last question. This is the earliest I've got through preaching in 30 some years. Maybe we need to go on another vacation, wife. I might be done by 11.30 next time. Why not accept Christ today? Why not say yes to him who loved you so much? He spared not his own son, but hung him on an old rugged cross. That you might realize you're lost. That hell is just one breath away. And you don't get another chance after you breathe your last breath. I don't know what our Lord was saying here in this story other than if I can't persuade you today you need to be saved. You wouldn't believe it though one was raised from the dead and told you of an afterlife experience. Would you be persuaded, persuaded today that you're lost, that death is real, that hell is real, and there's no second chances after death?